than to have some fun. You ready? <laughs> I got a one-pager today. Front only. It's either going to be really good or really short. It can't be both, in my opinion. I had a mentor once tell me, if you can't say it in 20 minutes, you don't need to be saying it. Don't expect 20 minutes. <laughs> but I promise the clock is bigger this week, so I won't go over. Amen? You with me? Reach your hands up here and pray for me. Lord, I pray you just give us a great day in the house of the Lord. May this message pierce our hearts. Use these words to inspire us. Change us from within. Help this preacher deliver this message the way you want it done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just so you know, we have a few, a few folks out today. Moises is preaching in Locust. And uh, we've got our kids' pastor, Hannah, is on vacation with half the church. And uh, so, you know, but we do, have, we do have children's ministry staff in there. They're, you know, we didn't, we didn't just tell everybody, don't worry about it, lock them in. And I did tell, I did tell the Louie, who does our kids' ministry for the Espanol service and also helps Hannah every week. I did tell them, just don't lose any. Just don't lose any kids, and it'll be a good day. Coming from a kids pastor for 15 years, that's sometimes that's just a measure of success. So if you got kids over there and it's your first time, don't worry. I promise they'll be there when you get back. You ready? We're looking at In the Fade. I want to take a little consensus in the room today. Have you ever had a situation in your life, and maybe you're in it right now, to go backwards a little bit to share with the folks that maybe missed last week that this picture describes perfectly what the idea of this sermon series is. That you come to a place, you come to a, a position in your life, and you really cannot see beyond that obstacle. You really cannot see over the mountain or through those clouds. That fog has overcome you. And sometimes we even feel like emotionally, spiritually, physically, we have this fog that kind of settles in over us, and, and we begin to ask God if He even knows what He's doing. God, are you aware that I'm facing these things? God, I don't know if you know, but I'm having issues at work or at home or, or even at church for that matter, because how many of you guys know that there's issues at church too? Not a, not a, not a greater life church, but, uh, <laughs> but seriously, our lives are full of issues. Even as Donna was saying today, this hand that bothers her, that she's had this thing on for uh, several weeks, it's just aggravating her. Well, she's got a big event coming up. And the devil likes to attack when we're most vulnerable. So what's the solution? We don't find ourselves in vulnerable places. And even when the devil comes in like a flood, my Bible says that God raises up a standard against that flood to protect us. Amen? And so I want you to understand that today, this in the fade moment, we're looking at a hero of faith, a prophet, a man named Daniel that lived thousands of years ago. But as we look at his life, we understand that 
even though his most popular story, which is the lion's den, which many of us know by heart and some of us may learn for the first time today, it didn't just start at the lion's den. It was a lifetime of faith-building moments that brought Daniel to the place that when faced with this challenge and being in the fade, unable to see what the outcome would be, what was going to happen around the corner, he knew that he knew that God was still in control. And so my hope today is to preach as best I can and share this word to tell you that you may not know God right now, but he knows you. You may not be walking with him every day, but he knows where you're walking. And I'm telling you, the best life in this world is a life that is aligned in obedience to the God of heaven, to Jesus Christ. I don't want to be a slave to anything else, but a slave to the cross I will be. Because you're in captivity, you're serving something. No matter what you, no matter what you feel today, you, are, you have signed up on the dotted line in your spirit, in your emotions, in your heart. You've said, I will be serving this. It may be your flesh. It may be your pride. It may be money. I don't know what idol or what altar you serve, but I'm telling you the best is to walk with Jesus. Because when I serve Jesus, when I serve Jesus, and I find myself in the fade, I don't have to go back and start asking myself the question, did I cause this? Did, did, did I do something wrong? Is God mad at me? No, when I'm serving the Lord Jesus and I find myself in the fade, I can say, okay, God, what are you teaching me right now? And, and what miracle can I expect on the other side? Man, I'm telling you, it's a different perspective when you're walking with Jesus. So I really want you today to walk away from this message Understanding that even if you find yourself in a hard situation, God is still in control. He's still in control. My hope in my life is to get out of the driver's seat and that my relationship with God is that now I'm in a, I've had dreams and dreams for many years of being able to ride down the highway not touch the steering wheel, not look up to eat nachos. I don't care. Just to sit there and enjoy all that life has to offer as I'm just relaxing. Man, I need a nap. I'm going to take a drive to the beach and sleep all the way there. I thought that would be so cool. Now, we, we live in a day and age that that's becoming closer and closer to a reality. But then a headline comes up, self-driving car drives through a coffee shop. And then we're like, oh, wow. That's not a good thing. But, but the way I look at it is this, is, is, is I'm not on cruise control in a sense with God, but I'm choosing to allow him to drive. I don't want to be on cruise control, but I choose to allow God to drive. Does that make sense? When it comes to do I go right or do I go left, note, what does God want me to do? What is the Holy Spirit leading me to do? And at the end of the day, he always knows best. And aren't you thankful that, some, that sometimes God is a God who opens doors 
and he closes them. And sometimes we find ourselves praying really hard for a door to be open that God is saying, "Uh uh-uh, you don't need to be doing this or you don't need to be about this. I'm thankful for a God that knows me better than I know myself and loves me more than anything. And sometimes, you know, love is being willing to say no. Parents, you better say no to that kid sometimes. My mother was very good at it. (laughs) And I turned out relatively okay. Let's get into it. We find our text today in Daniel chapter 6, In the Fade. Sermon title is When It's Scary. In Daniel chapter 6, we come to this culmination of the lion's den. But in order for us to understand about Daniel and his experience in Daniel chapter 6, we first, I think, need to have a timeline of Daniel's life. At age 15, the Persians showed up at Jerusalem. The Babylonians, under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar, came and ransacked the city. And they took with them hostages. So all of a sudden, everything that Daniel and everybody that he knew that was offering security and safety and and normalcy was completely gone overnight. Not only that, they ransacked the city and left And they left some people behind, but what they did with Daniel is they took him captivity and took him to Babylon. So not only did he lose everything he knew, but he also was uprooted so he could not rebuild. If that doesn't throw you for a loop at 15 years of age, I don't know what will. And at 15 years of age, he finds himself in captivity in Babylon along with some others. And he finds himself in a foreign place at a tender age of 15, barely knowing how to handle life's challenges. And yet just two years later, at age 17, he interprets a dream from Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and no one could tell him what it was or interpret it, and so he basically got really angry, I'm gonna kill everybody, (laughs) kind of moment, unless somebody can tell me what my dream was and tell me what it means. God gave Daniel that ability, and at age 17, he was able to interpret that first dream. There's another huge event in Daniel's life that he wasn't really a part of. Many theologians and scholars believe that he was traveling as an envoy for the king of Babylon, and that's the story of the fiery furnace that we'll talk about in just a few moments. During the story of the fiery furnace, there was this there was this demand to bow to an idol. And there were three Hebrew, Hebrew children that said no. Daniel, as about 19 or 20 when that happened, fast forwarding to age 45-ish, he interpreted a, secret, a second dream. And at age 80, he interpreted the handwriting on the wall. All of this is found in the book of Daniel. I don't have time to get into each of these stories, but I want you to see something. 
It's commonly believed that around age 83, Daniel found himself in the lion's den. So the story we're going to read today was in the last chapter of Daniel's life at age 83. And it's a story that is taught in Sunday school. It's a story that youth pastors will teach. It's a story that preachers will preach up one side and down the other. And he was 83 years old. So let me ask you something. Don't tell me you're too old to make an impact or to take a stand or to do something amazing for the kingdom of God. Because this fellow's 83 years old, and I know there ain't many of y'all. I know there's one lady that's more than that. Where you at, Christine? <laughs> My 90-plus friend. But at the end of the day, at 83 years, there was a test in Daniel's life. Do you still trust me? God said. And I'm preaching a message today from this text because he did. In the fade, he chose to trust in God. Number one, if you're choosing to take notes, which I highly recommend, because I can't tell you how many times I talk to people in the lobby at church. Hey, great message, Pastor. What part you like? Uh, well, I don't, that joke you told was... The good one is when you, when you ran around and went, whatever, I don't know, whatever I did that day. <laughs> number one, number one, our reaction when it's scary. Our reaction when it's scary. Finding ourselves in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. I'm going to build this story backwards and forwards to bring it all together. But in Daniel chapter 6, we find a decree that's been set forth. A decree that the king was fooled into making that says, No one can pray to any other God because you are the sole authority. You, king, are the only one that should be worshipped in this kingdom. And anybody that gets caught praying, we're going to kill them by throwing them in the lion's den. These wise men were jealous of Daniel. They knew Daniel was a prayer warrior. They knew Daniel was praying to the God of heaven, the one true God. And they said, let's manipulate the king to write this law. The king found himself fully manipulated, made the law, signed the law. And then Daniel, in verse 10, we find his reaction when it's scary. Understanding that now it's illegal to pray. At this time, it was a king named Darius, which was the third king that Daniel served. But all kings loved Daniel. This, he signed the law, and we find Daniel in verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its window open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he, has always, he, as he had always done, giving thanks to God. His reaction when it was scary was not to take up arms, was not to carry his little 83-year-old self into the street and rally all the other people. Can, can you believe the king is making us do this? 
When he found out the law had been signed, which was basically, it's a done deal. There was no Congress and, and, and House and all that kind of sin. The king signed it, and it's done. When he found out the law had been signed, what did he do? He did what he usually does. Now, I don't want you to miss that. His reaction was prayer, but he usually prayed. So I want you to understand something. If you feel like when you're hit with something that, that, that comes against you and, oh my goodness, I'm facing a trial, I'm facing a tribulation, and you feel like, well, in that moment, I'll make sure I honor God. Well, I don't usually pray, but in that moment, I will pray. I don't usually go to church consistently, but in that moment, I will, I like to say it this way. Don't you dare wait for a tragedy to find Jesus. Now, God in his infinite mercy and love draws people to himself in a variety of ways. But friend, I want to tell you, when you're already walking with Jesus, it makes a whole lot more easier when you're in the fade. Our reaction when it's scary should be to go to God first. Not to go, let me make a list of pros and cons of this decision and this situation, and maybe I can do, and maybe I can, you know what, I'm going to start a, a thread on where is it. What do I fuss about all the time? Let me take it to Facebook. I know, I know, I know y'all don't do that. A lot of you don't. But I'm telling you, the solution is so much easier to come by when it's your usual. I usually go to the Lord in prayer. Therefore, when I'm faced with it's scary, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer. But I will tell you starting today, if you feel like you're facing something, make it your reaction. Go to the Lord in prayer. Talking to Him is way more important than any conversation you can have with anybody. So we find his reaction in going to prayer. Prayer is a weapon against fear, and it's incredibly effective. However, it's because Daniel had experienced his reaction over the course of his lifetime, that he knew that God was in control, that he knew was God, that God was to be trusted. You may not be in a season like Daniel is, but I hope and pray that you're growing towards that. And I want to tell you something. As we're talking about your usual, Daniel's usual, it may not be your reaction now. But you look at Daniel's life and his 83 years of life, starting at age 15, God was building his faith. God was programming him to run to him first. I can't tell you if at age 15, when he was being dragged out of Jerusalem and into Babylon, that he went to the Lord in prayer. I don't know. He was probably terrified, along with the rest of the Israelites that were being dragged off. But I can tell you, at age 83, he found out that there was a death sentence for praying, and what did he do? He prayed. If we allow any society that we find ourselves in to control our prayer life and to control our worship, we've already lost the battle. Church of God, arise and let the enemies be scattered. Amen?
our reaction when it's scary. Let's talk about the few things that God did in Daniel's life. And you may not even be there today, but I want you to start looking for the hand of God in your life. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 9, we find Daniel having his first meeting with some of the leadership there in this new kingdom. In Daniel chapter 1, they drag them out and they, get, they change their name. They change their dress. They change their, uh, their, their um, what's it called? Traditions. They change their diet or tried to. And in Daniel chapter 1, verse 9, we see that Daniel makes a stand. They tried to get him to eat the, the food of the king, the basically meat and wine and gluten. Pro probably. I don't know if gluten was a thing back then. It fe feels like it just showed up. <laughs> I, I didn't find myself reading in the textbook. Yeah, in the 1300s, gluten was a big problem in the Middle Ages. <laughs> back to the topic. So Daniel, being a Hebrew, being a, an Israelite, he didn't want to eat what this stuff was that was brought before him because it was against their dietary restrictions. It was against the covenant that was found in the Old, in the old Covenant, in the Old Testament. And it says, Daniel was determined not to defile himself, verse 8, by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God, verse 9, had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. <laughs> you know, the great thing about the favor of God is it's the favor of God. Sometimes it don't make any sense why they like you. Here's a prisoner of war being huddled into this, all right, line up. Y'all eat this food. Y'all are going to be wise men. We're going to train you in the ways of this. You guys are the most educated, and we're going to do the best we can to prepare you to serve the king. Oh, you know what? I like you. I don't know why, but something about you. Let me tell you something. You should have that experience in your life because you're walking under the, the power, the authority of the Holy Ghost. And if there ain't something different about you and all the riffraff that you're around, then maybe, maybe there's no fruit there and you need to look at your life and say, what makes, what makes me uh, different and a follower of Jesus when placed, when placed in a room full of black and darkness and sin? Are you the source of light? Daniel had favor that could only come from God. So much so that, hey, listen, I know, you know, the food's nice and everything. And I know everybody has to do this. I know that's the rule. And I know the king told you to do this. And I know he'll kill you if you don't make me. But can I, can I get an exception? I, you know, I filled out my religious exemption here. And I want to make sure that I turn it into you. Are, are you with me? How many of you guys understand that religious exemption don't mean nothing on what you turn in? It's who makes the decision. And I believe that God gave favor to the decision maker for Daniel so he could keep good faith and move forward. And he ate water and vegetables. 
Can I just tell you, I'm thankful that this wasn't me. I like more bacon over here, man. I'm, I'm running out. <laughs> but in all seriousness, he wanted to honor God with the diet. And the favor of the Lord was upon him. David, David, uh, Daniel was in exile. He was kidnapped, and yet God was still on his side. Secondly, we see our reaction when it's scary. The reason why he went to prayer, the reason why it was usual, is because he had had vision that came from the Lord. The dreams that he had interpreted. In Daniel chapter 2, we see it laid out, verse 25. You see, God spoke clearly to Daniel in verse 25. One of the leaders that was over these wise men, Ariot, quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. Friend, you should be known for an anointing. <laughs> Come on. Listen, I think Jesus is coming back. I believe with all my heart that he's coming back, and I believe he's coming back soon. And I think the church needs to be different. I'll say it again. I think the church needs to be different. Conform not to this world. Amen? You know we can be different and love people. Bigotry and living for Jesus are not synonymous, no matter, what, no matter what the news headlines have told you. The truth is the truth is the truth, and it comes from this. And frankly, I think we need to love people a little bit better and tell them, tell them, hey, you're going to end up in hell living like that. But I know a God who loves you. Vision from the Lord. The third thing that he experienced was that Daniel had seen protection from the Lord. As we talked about in the fiery furnace, this story of his three friends, there were four of them, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were buddies. And they all had made a choice to do that dietary thing we talked about, to take that stand. And they all had made a choice to take a stand for God, even in the, spot, even in the middle of everybody else doing their own thing and, and folding their convictions and giving up on that. We find Daniel that hears a story about the fiery furnace. Many people don't think Daniel was there at this time, but I think it's important you see the protection of God here. How many of you guys understand that when you hear a story of God's favor, God's goodness, God's provision, God's protection for someone else's life, it builds faith in your own life, amen? Our men learned on Wednesday night, there's power in your testimony. And we see this in Daniel chapter 3, verse 27. As Nebuchadnezzar makes this decree... When you hear the music, everyone bow before this idol. These three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't. And in a sea of people bowed, bowed down, there were three, three men that were standing firm, refusing to bow to the idol. So they drag him in front of the king. The king gets mad. The king declares that they are to be thrown into the furnace and it's supposed to be heated up. Even more so, it was, the Bible tells us it was so hot that even those that were throwing them in there died because of the heat from the furnace. It was seven times hotter than normal. I love what they said in verse 27. 
I'm sorry, in verse 18, as he asked them, just bow down. He's just, just trying to convince them. They say, but king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. <laughs> your majesty. <laughs> but even if he doesn't, somebody take this home with them today. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. God will save you and protect you when you obey him. But even if he doesn't, you serve him and wait for the eternal reward that's on the other side. Amen? I, I, I read of, the, uh, of the, the martyrs that happen in the Middle East. I read of the people that die for their faith in, in communist nations. We read about these people that have said in their hearts that we trust God to protect us, but even if he doesn't, our faith is in him. But we find that God did protect in verse 27. Continue, I'll just continue reading here. Verse 24, after they throw them in there, it says, But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, Four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of God. <laughs> Wonder who that was. We've talked about this before, that when Jesus appears in the Old Testament, we call that a Christophany. And I think this was Jesus there in the furnace with them, taking a walk. You see, but God didn't just protect them from the flames and from the damage that it could cause and the death Physically, it says verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched, and they didn't even smell like smoke. <laughs> you see, I believe God can protect us completely. And you may be stuck in a situation. It could be a, a, a legal battle. It could be a financial concern. But I believe we serve a God who is all-powerful and all-good and sovereign and I believe that like this, if you will just trust him with that situation and obey him and walk that out with him and be in prayer, if you will just give it over to God, I believe with all of my heart that not only will he bring you through it, but he has the capability and the power to make you not even smell like smoke like you've been through something. You with me? Do you believe God can heal today? Do you believe God can work miracles today? then let's walk like it and act like it. Amen. When we're hit with something, let's don't crumple up into a fetal position and say, oh, devil, leave me alone. Let's stand before the enemy of our souls and say in Jesus' name, 
feel like? If the church acts like they don't have any power, then what are we even doing? People are lost and dying and going to hell and demon-possessed and, and, and oppressed and everything. And they're so broken. And we know the one that can heal and set free. And yet we walk around like we can't even trust him for us. And how can we tell somebody, listen, uh, God can do that for you. The Lord Jesus can save you, heal you, set you free. And we're walking around like life stinks. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Is it yours? I ain't mad at you, even though I'm yelling. God was building boldness in Daniel because he knew that there was a scary moment. What is God doing in your life today to prepare you for something greater? Number two, our reputation when it's scary. Our reputation when it's scary. Back to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Verse 14. So they caught Daniel praying. They told the king about it. Verse 14, it says, Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of his day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know accord, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, there's no, uh, no law that the king's sides can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. King said to him, May your God who you serve so faithfully rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal, the seals of the nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Our reputation when it's scary. Daniel had seen God give him great favor and give him the king's trust. The king loved Daniel and had that favor. And what we find is, is the king of this pagan nation fasted and prayed for Daniel. Come on. You tell me there's not, there is nothing that God can't do. <laughs> Picture for a moment a national leader calling you. Hey, I've been praying for you. Really? 
the king of Babylon fasted. Didn't just pray. Fasted. Don't want any entertainment tonight. I got to pray for Daniel. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it. Y'all might be like, oh, that's cool. That's cool, that's cool. It's in the Bible, that's, that's neat. The king. See, praying is, I pray all the time. I like to think I pray all the time. I probably should pray more. How many of you guys feel like you should pray more? All right, we're all in the same boat. What I don't do much is fast. I like to eat, you see. And I also believe that fasting is when you don't eat. Now, you may say, well, I'm fasting social media. I'm fasting. Well, that's not fasting. Don't be mad. Don't at me. Don't send me a message. Don't send me an email because that's between you and God. But when Jesus fasted, he didn't eat. And I like to eat because here's how it goes fasting for me. Can I just take a little side note? If I say, all right, I'm going to fast breakfast and lunch. Just going to eat dinner. You know what I do? I eat a lot of dinner. I eat so much dinner, in fact, that I ain't got to worry about breakfast or lunch the next day. <laughs> and I, as, as I'm thinking about it, if it was for dinner and it's left over, then I'm still eating dinner the next, no. <laughs> Which I asked this question Wednesday night, do you have to pray for leftovers? Lord, it's me again with this spaghetti. You know, we saw that and said, oh, let's talk about that. The king fasted. His primary objective that night was to pray for his friend Daniel, to fast and to pray. Why? Because Daniel had a special reputation. A special anointing was upon Daniel that brought the leader of this nation to stop everything and to think only about him. Are you building a consistent walk of faith that even your leaders, your boss, your family, your friends, that they know like this king because he said, I pray your God because of your faithful relationship with him, I pray your God will save you. Do you have that reputation? Do you know that they know that when you're faced with a challenge that your faith will rise to the occasion? You see, the king fasted and, praised. What, uh, and prayed for him. What is our reputation when it's scary? Secondly, Daniel trusted God for deliverance, not man. The king's hands were tied. I've signed the law. There's nothing I can do. And it breaks my heart, Daniel, but go on in. I hope your God will save you. Guys, your salvation doesn't come from any man. No preacher, no podcast, no pastor, no person. It comes from God and God alone in his son, Jesus Christ. And if you're leaning on something else, yourself included, it'll never get you to heaven. No one can be good enough. Jesus said it himself. Daniel trusted God for deliverance. He didn't run. He didn't hide. He knew that God would work a miracle on his behalf, but he had also learned from his friends in the fiery furnace that even if he didn't, 
he still wouldn't compromise his faith in God. His reputation when it was scary, the king's faith expressed when he came back. He came out there and the Bible tells us that he called out to him. He called out to him, hoping, hoping that he would be okay. In anguish, he knew the lions were starving because that's what they did. They would put these lions in this pit and they wouldn't feed them. Because if they were full lions and you threw somebody in there, they might just yawn and say, I'm good. So they put starving lions in a pit that the moment somebody hit the floor, oh, it was on. He knew they were starving, and he knew that anyone else that would go into the pit, they would be killed instantly. This little 83-year-old man was barely a snack for these lions, but he knew these lions would kill him right away. But he also knew, the king did, that Daniel was different than anybody else. <laughs> In a world full of people that are echoing and saying the same thing, can we stand up and be different and unique with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? He knew he was different, and he knew he was a servant of the one true God. Number three, our response when God shows up. All of us have a temptation that when we're right, we want to remind people that we were right. The I told you so is all too common for everybody. I mean, I want to say it. I know you want to say it. We all want to say it. But here's Daniel coming out of the lion's den. His response when God showed up is he responded by pointing to the power of God. He wanted to make sure the king knew. Verse 21, Daniel answered, Long live the king. Showed respect to leadership there. My God sent his angel to shut the, mouths, shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. You see, his response was to point to God and God alone. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense when God works a miracle in your life that you say, yeah, I was able to do this and God helped me a little bit. <laughs> you see, what God loves to do is he loves to take busted up broken people and use them for his glory because then there's no question. Why do you think I'm up here every Sunday? If you only knew my story. Now, before you think I was a drug lord in Miami or something, don't go down that road. Don't let your imagination take you there. But what I am telling you is I'm flawed, I'm broken, I'm a sinner saved by grace just like you are. Daniel responded by pointing to the power of God. In verse 24, the king responds by pointing the people to God. Verse 24, the king gave orders to arrest the men. First of all, he had to deal with the, the cancer in the house. Something was growing, and something was unhealthy, and he had to deal with it. So he took these men that had manipulated him, and he threw them in the lion's den. In verse 25, it says, Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation, and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. 
I decree that everyone through my kingdom should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. The king said this. It's kind of like sometimes when you see people on TV or you may see politicians or, or CEOs or leaders or something, and, and every now and then somebody will pray and they'll say, in Jesus' name. And you go, ooh, that was a real prayer. How I many of you guys understand that when we pray, when we come to God, it is our responsibility, it is our opportunity to pray in the name of Jesus. That's the name. That's the name. There is no other name. I, I, I don't even like to say in your name, in his name, in the Son of God's name. I don't, I, in, Je, in Jesus' name. That's the name. And I'm telling you something, when people pray, oh, God of this and God of that, and I, I mean, they're, it's, 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 it's generalities. It's not until you say in Jesus' name that he becomes the one true God. Amen? Come on. Don't tell me there are many ways to heaven. There's one. His name is Jesus. And before you think I'm, I'm saying something prideful, I'm not. I'm saying something in love because I don't want nobody to go to hell. It's eternal, and it's hot, and it hurts, and it's dark. My Bible tells me that people in hell find themselves gnashing their teeth. Why? Because they know that a hundred years go by and it just started and they can never change their mind. Now is the day of salvation. Daniel responded by pointing power to God. The king responded by pointing people to God. God responded by blessing Daniel even further. Verse 28, Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, two more kings. You see, Daniel for 70 years had the favor of God. We find from biblical historians that there were around 4,600 people captured and drug off to Babylon during this time. 4,600 people drug off and taken to Babylon. However, in this book, there are only four names mentioned. Why? Because there were only four who took a stand and did not compromise their faith. You will be forgotten like that when you compromise your faith. But I want to be known for someone who served Jesus with his life all the way until God called him home. In my funeral, the most important thing that anybody can say is that I know that he's with Jesus. Listen, I've preached a lot of funerals, and those are the hardest ones to preach when I don't know So I want my family to know that they know that my daddy is with Jesus, that my husband is with Jesus, that I'll be able to see him again. You see, out of 4,600 people, only four were mentioned. Why? Because they were unique. They showed up and they showed God that they trusted in him more than anything else. Most had faded into the background. They assumed the culture, the religion, all of the luxury of Babylon. But these four, they chose to live for God. 
Who are you in your community, in your neighborhood, in your society? Are you different or are you the same as everybody else? You see, Jesus said that he will be raised up. He was talking about the cross and draw all men unto himself. And when we raise Jesus up, he draws people in. How can we see Jesus and the Spirit of God draw people in when there's no difference in our life? It's like this. When people look at you and they see heaviness and burden and problems, we all have them. But it's how we react when we have them that we know we can run to Jesus. You see, Daniel's in the fade moment didn't happen until he was 83 years old. All along his life, he had these three friends that were with him. Where were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this story? They were dead. They weren't there. So it was only Daniel that found himself in the lion's den because only Daniel was having an end of fade moment in his last few days. You read this passage of Scripture, God continued to show him prophecy that even now today we read and look at for what's next. I wonder if you'll trust God in the fade right now, what does the rest of your life hold? Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today, and you say, listen, there's all kind of stuff happening inside. I got butterflies and just all kinds of things happening inside right now. I, I want to tell you something. That, friend, is the Spirit of God calling you. It's that simple. The Bible says that we will choose. We believe on Jesus. Belief is a choice. Faith is a choice. We, we choose to believe or not. And I pray that everybody in here today, whether they were this way coming in or not, that we all leave as children of the Most High God, as followers of Jesus. It's a decision you make in a moment, but it's a lifestyle that you walk out. So if you're here today, I want you just to slip your hand up and look at me if you would like to give your heart to Jesus Christ today. Today's the day of salvation right now. Slip that hand up and look at me, and I'll pray for you in just a moment. Anybody? I see that hand. Yep. Anybody else? I see that hand. Yep. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. I see that hand. Yep. Yep. Anybody else? About five more seconds. Three more seconds. Thank you, Lord. Everybody else in the room, question is this. You may have had an experience at some point along your life we call this a rededication. If you would like to confirm your walk with Christ, you've been making decisions that go against him. You've been living, you haven't had a prayer life as usual. You've been living in sin and you know, and you're here right now. And right now, the Holy Spirit's convicting you and calling you to make a change. Follow Jesus once again. If that's you and you want to make that commitment today, slip that hand up and look at me right now. Right now. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else quickly? I see that hand, yep. I see that hand, yep. Anybody else? I see that hand, yep. 
Anybody else? Come on. What makes you different? Are you ready to follow Jesus with everything? To make God your first? Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Yep. Anybody else? Come on. Yep, I see that hand. Yep. Anybody else? I see that hand. Yep. I see that hand. Anybody else? Jesus. I see that hand. Yep. Got you. I see that hand. Yep. Anybody else? Five seconds. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Everybody stand with me. We just bow your bow your heads. I'm just gonna pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you've spoken to hearts and lives today. Today, may you continue to do great and miraculous things. Lord, I just pray that the cloud of doubt would be removed right now. That every heart and every life in this room For those that raise their hand for salvation, may you speak to them now. May boldness rise within them. In Jesus' name, right now, God, speak to their hearts and life. Today, that decision changes for all eternity for them. remaining in an attitude of prayer. If you raised your hand for salvation, I'm going to ask you to move forward to my left, to the right side of the stage. We have a prayer team here that's going to be able to give you some resources. Go ahead and move now. Everyone else remain in an attitude of prayer. Right here. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and move now. Thank you, Lord. Or for those that raise their hand as a commitment of faith, a rededication. Lord, as those that said today is the day of salvation and I want to receive Christ as they're moving now, I pray for the others. Lord, I pray that a spirit of humility would be in this room right now. And as a family of God, that we stand beside those that said, Today is the day I make a fresh commitment. Because it's not something to be ashamed of and because it's not something that anyone should hide. For those of you that made that confession today that you want to give your all, you give your, all your effort to follow Lord, the Lord Jesus, today is the day you're going to make a fresh commitment then I want you to slip that hand up as you're standing right now where you are. Church family, look around, find somebody to get beside and pray with them right here. I got one here. Move quickly, please. Come on, church family. Let's support them. Put them hands up. Put them hands up. This is about family standing together. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. See two hands back here, hand here. Come on. This isn't, this isn't a time for judgment. This is a time for humility. That church family is going to pray for you and love on you. If you don't have somebody beside you and you raised your hand, we got somebody right here. Put that hand up. Come on. Prayer team, you guys can move too if you see a hand that don't have somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Jesus. Just pray for just a couple minutes, guys. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit to work and to move. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I thank you for the commitment, the honesty, the openness in the room today. Do what only you can do. <laughs> do an eternal work in hearts and lives. May we all go from this place honoring you, for those that are still in this room today, deciding, I pray that the seeds of the gospel that were planted would grow, that faith would arise, and that those lives would also be changed. In Jesus' name, amen.